Thank you for tuning into the Monocle Dynasty Podcast, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. Your hosts, Crescent and John, dive deep on players, rankings, strategies, and much more. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Monocle Dynasty. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the Monocle, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. On tonight's episode, we're going to be going over some trades that some listeners sent in and uh, basically letting you guys know what we think about them and if it's something we'd be doing or not. I'm joined here by Crescent as usual. And so how are you doing, Crescent? Doing good. It's Sunday afternoon. We, um, our pick is coming up in the, what is it? I want to say it's the 13-14 turn for Scott Fishbowl 10. We're actually in probably one of the slowest um, groups, but that's all right. It's not a big deal to be a little slow. So we'll, we'll probably make that pick on air, hopefully. And then you guys can can hear our little analysis on that. But I'm looking forward to kind of diving into these trades. People are trying to make moves now. Um, I think now is a good time to kind of strike, too, while the iron's hot. There's a lot of people that get scared going into the season or they start to have worries or things like that. And it's a chance to kind of jump on those opportunities. So we'll give you guys some insight into we have a bunch of different formats and styles from tight end premiums to 10-man leagues to 16-team all kinds of different stuff that we're looking at. Yeah, we definitely got a nice mix here. And uh, we really appreciate everyone sending in their their trades because we weren't really sure exactly uh, how many we were going to get. And we got uh, quite the influx. So it was pretty nice. Uh, and then Crescent was saying, you know, we might do an on-air uh, draft. But, you know, that the way these guys are drafting, it might be like eight hours before we actually do it. So it's probably there's probably less of a chance of that actually happening. <laughs> Um, but let's go ahead and, and start off with the first trade. This one is going to be a 16-team PPR, Superflex, Titan Premium, and the team is rebuilding. And it's from Nick Muzillo at Big Muzz 26. And he received Chris Herndon and a 21 third for any cent, uh, Darius Slayton. And his starting roster is Kirk Cousins, Leonard Fournette. DeAndre Swift, DJ Moore, DK Metcalf, Jay Sternberger, J.K. Dobbins, Marquise Brown, and Jared Sidham. So I'll, I'll jump into this one first. Uh, I actually would have preferred to keep Slayton in this one, but it's because of the way that this team is set up to be a rebuilding team. And I think Slayton's value is going to be you know, like, I don't know if he'll outperform what he did last year. And I know John has already kind of questioned that in his take it or leave it. And he's talked about Slayton and how he's not a fan of him going into this year. But Slayton's going to be one of the top options on this team after this year. Tate will be gone. Um, Shepard has an out in his contract after the 21 season. Um, Slayton did have really good numbers overall for a rookie wide receiver. and it's not necessarily that I don't like moving him because I think his value is pretty high and people are perceiving him as having a very high value. A lot of people think he's the guy in New York. And I don't, I don't know if I agree with that, but I think that getting Herndon is something that even though it's, it's a tight end premium, I'm not a huge fan. I like Herndon as like a buy low, but this feels like Herndon's being bought really high. Like we know he's talented. Um, we also know he's had a lot of issues, whether it be, injuries or suspensions I mean hell like the guy didn't even play last year and 
The Jets also seem to really like Ryan Griffin. I think that hurts Herndon's upside in this team because this also isn't a team that I see throwing the ball like 600 plus times. So how often is Herndon actually going to be on the field? How often is he going to be targeted? All those things. And I know getting a third helps because it's a 16-team league. And so, you know, it's always nice to, to kind of be able to add some depth. But I think you could have got more for Slayton than Herndon and 21 third. And if I couldn't, I would have just kind of held on and just wrote him out through the season because I'm rebuilding too. So even if he has a down year and I'm rebuilding, that actually could help me in the long run. Um, I like a lot of the makeup of this team, right? There's some really young, good talent with DJ Moore, DK, Dobbins, Hollywood. But I think I would have held on to Slayton and just kind of seen what happens with him rather than take a risk on Herndon, who I think has a much higher chance of being seen as a bust by the end of the year than Slayton would. I mean, obviously, like like Crescent said, I'm not a Slayton fan, and I do think that he's way overvalued. And so basically any trade involving trading away Slayton, I'm usually going to be on that side. Um, and, and this one, I, I do agree with what Crescent was saying, where, you know, Herndon is just as much of a question mark, you know, in my eyes. And so it's it's tough to say, oh, you won this trade. But then again, it is a 16-team tight end premium. So there's only going to be so many tight ends that actually matter. And so I think in that type of league, it's probably better to take a shot now rather than when they actually are valuable. And so that's why I'm going to go ahead and give Nick a pass here. And I'm going to say that he made the right call. But it's mostly because Slayton's just way overvalued. <laughs> okay, so that, that moves us to our next trade. It comes from the Fantasy Addict. Um, at underscore fantasy addict. It's a 10 team PPR super flex league. He stated that he's contending. Um, he sent Miles Sanders and the three 3.05 and he received the 2020 1.08, the 2020 2.03, and what he believes to be a mid to late 21st, um, 21, sorry, first round pick in the 21 draft. And so his lineup is Lamar, Mixon, Barkley, Beckham, DJ Moore, Kittle, Juju, Chubb, Hunt, and Wentz. So obviously he is a big contender. Like that's a really loaded lineup. So John, tell me, like, do you think this was a good move? Because I know you're not as high on Sanders as I am. Not, I mean, I'm, I might not be as high as you are, but I am high on him. I, I think that he's at the very least right around that like top 12 running back. You know, I, I know you're, you're probably creeping up a little bit higher than that at this point, but <laughs> basically – I like the value of the trade because he got two first and a very early second. Uh, so the, the value is there for just sending away Sanders and, and 305. But being that it's a 10-team league, I think I would still want to uh, stick with Sanders because he has Kareem Hunt in his flex spot right now. Like, I'm pretty sure you'd much rather have Miles Sanders in your flex spot, uh, you know, and – the 108 and the 20, late or mid to late 21 first probably aren't, aren't going to help you that much as far as this year, uh, you know, as far as contending. So when you have a stacked team like that and in a, a 10 team league, chances are you're probably going to have a pretty stacked team. You don't want to have that weakness of cream hunt and you probably don't want to have to start Chubb and hunt <laughs> each week. So I, I think that's the only reason why I don't really love it. But I do love the value. He got good value for it. So I, I don't hate it either. I just don't know if I would have made that move. Yeah. When I was looking at this trade, I think like the distinction that 
you're contending is what changes it for me. Because I think if you're contending, you're really trying to make sure you do everything you can to, to win this year. And I think Sanders gives you a much, much, much better chance than Hunt does for that. But I understand capitalizing on the high value that Sanders, like the appeal of Sanders right now and how like we've seen it. His value has just completely skyrocketed. Even from, a, was it maybe a month and a half or, yeah, about a month and a half ago when I said he was my buy high, even from then his value has continued to rise. Um, and he's being drafted you know, in the first round of startups now even. And I think that's a little bit crazy to even me. And I really like the guy. But, you know, I was looking at, in a super flex at 108, you're probably, you can replenish by getting another running back in Acres or Swift probably at 108. Um, and then at 203, you can get like a young wide receiver you like. For us, it'd probably be someone like Denzel Mims. Um, so I, I think that's fine. Like you're, I feel like you're trying to, like you're trying to ride the fence too much though in trying to con stay a contender, but reload at the same time. And I think that's something that people struggle with. And there's times where it might, you might have the ability to do that, but you also have to really just think like, I want to be invested in trying to win. And Sanders value, I don't think will be taking a hit anytime soon. Um, even if like he got injured some point during the season, I still think people are going to view him as being a really valuable back. And I could easily see you trying to make this type of a trade during the year. So you have to really hope that that running back you get at 108, whether it be Acres or Swift, if they're, one of them is there, that they hit so that then you at least can switch between them and hunt in that flex spot. So that's the only reason I really don't like it. I agree with you. Like, I think the value is there to, you know, for where you drafted Sanders, which was probably mid mid first last year in this league, you're getting two first and a second form, like an early second form. I think that's a very good trade off, right. From your investment. But if you're trying to win, I'd rather have him on my roster right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're thinking about it just picks-wise, like you said, if, if you got an Acres and a Mims and then you still have the 21 first going forward, like you're not mad about that, but that's not really helping you this year necessarily, uh, although I do love me some Mims. But, you know, especially with everything going on, it'll probably still take him a little bit of time at least, so he's not going to help you right away. And, uh, and that's where Sanders probably does. And that could be the difference between you getting a bye week or, or anything like that. It doesn't always mean you're going to miss the playoffs or, or that you can't even win your league, but it could be the difference between you getting that bye. And then of course that could be the difference between you winning your league or not. Uh, now the next one is coming in from uh, titties are fun. And, I, <laughs> and I, I do have to agree with this handle. It's at two titties are fun. So I'm uh, going to go ahead and agree with that one. And it's a 14 team PPR super flex 0.2 point per carry and he says that he's rebuilding and uh looking at his team i would probably agree with them <laughs> he's uh he's starting russell wilson aj Dillon, lynn bowden uh, cooper cup terry mclaurin michael gallup irv smith hunter renfro golden tate ian thomas and aaron Rodgers. and he sent jalen reger and deontay johnson the, this year's hotness apparently and he received cam Akers in a 21 second okay so i mean based on the starting lineup and what we've seen definitely needs some some rb help uh, or you want to at least get i think right in a 14 team point to point per carry league like you want good running backs 
And since you're rebuilding, you don't necessarily care how this year shakes out and how like the, what happens between acres and um, Henderson. I think anchors acres is the better running back. And I think he'll show that through the year and it might be some ups and downs and we might see some running back by committee. But I think by the end of the year, you'll see acres take the lead and you'll want a running back like him in an offense that's designed and ran by Sean McVay. Um, and I know like I really like Rager and a lot of my colleagues like Matt nine, like they love Deontay Johnson, but you have a lot of young wide receiver talent and John like filled me in on the taxi squad where you have people like Justin Jefferson. So you have a lot of young talent at wide receiver. So losing Rager and Deontay is not going to be too bad, especially because now you're going to be a lot more set at running back, having guys like AJ Dillon, Akers and Jonathan, um, Jonathan Taylor as your running backs going into next year, I think is going to be super valuable and it will really help you kind of turn this team from a rebuilding team to a contending team. And that second that you have might be really useful in the off season next year to kind of wait, like dangle out there, especially because these seconds are going to be in, used in a really deep wide receiver class. So you can replenish the loss of someone like a Deontay Johnson with a really young, talented wide receiver that's coming in with a 21 class. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think we can see that, uh, that you know, he, he's doing some strategy here. And, and, you know, like, as long as the rules allow it, then I'm all for it. You know, he, he's keeping some, some stud players on the taxi squad. And, you know, like I said, if it's allowed, then, then that's probably the best way to do it when you're rebuilding because you're not going to score those points because of them and, and you're going to get a better pick because of it, assuming you have your own picks. Um, I, I love getting the running back depth in a 14 team uh you know two point or point two point per carry and uh basically i just i think he's just playing for the future now that being said you know like if he, he obviously is playing for the future like i think i would be trying to sell cooper cup and aaron Rodgers and you know some of those players and maybe even a russell wilson i mean we talked about him being a sell in our uh, uh nfc west you know uh, show before not too long ago so I, I'd probably be looking to try and sell all of them, but I, I love that move for your team. I'm not a Deontay Johnson fan. And uh, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of torn on Rager, but or, or I'm leaning away from being a Rager fan as well uh, at this point. So, you know, I, I love the flexibility it gives you uh, by getting acres and then also still getting that 21 second uh, in return that, you know, is probably what uh, Deontay Johnson's worth at, at this point anyway. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely look try to move Cup as well. Rodgers, I don't know what value you'll get for him, but it is a 14-team league, and someone's going to be competing, and they're going to need a quarterback, and Rodgers could be that guy. only reason I don't move Wilson is because I think that defense keeps getting worse and worse, and eventually they're just not going to be able to just run the ball like they've been doing. They're going to have to rely on him, and we've seen when they do rely on him, he just goes absolutely ham, right? Like, he just – We've seen it in the fourth quarters where all of a sudden he's having just a complete crap game and then he boom flips the switch and he's thrown for, you know, 180 yards and a quarter because they just kind of let him loose. And I think that's going to start to happen a little more as this defense gets worse and worse because obviously his contract's taking up more and more of the cap and they can't really replenish that defense like they, like they used to have. Um, before we go into our next thing, it actually is our turn to pick in the Scott Fish Bowl 10. I guess he was right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, John, with the reverse jinx there. So the first time it's actually worked for us, I should have tried that earlier in the draft. (laughs) (laughs) So we we are in a bit of a tight end 
um, hole. We have one tight end right now, and that's TJ Hawkinson, who we do like going forward, but we really need another tight end right now. We're at the 13-14 turn, and the guy that I'm staring down is a guy we've talked about in the past, a guy that I think probably has the most upside of all these, and that's Eric Ebron. So, like, the guy, the people that are available are Jay Sternberger, CJ Uzma, Will Disley, Gerald Everett, Kyle Rudolph, Tyler Eifert, Chris Herndon, Ebron, OJ Howard, Dawson Knox, people like that. So I think just of that group, Ebron has the highest floor um, and probably the highest ceiling, honestly, <laughs> like of anyone in that group, because especially if Big Ben is back and is healthy, we've seen him, you know, what he's done with someone who isn't necessarily an athletic guy in um in heath so imagine what he can do with someone that actually is athletic with like eric ebron and we know ebron can be an absolute td machine we've seen it you know in indianapolis when he's targeted by his quarterback like that there isn't really a tight end uh any of these tight ends i think are going to be able to to match what he can bring he is our second tight end so you know, it is a tight end, a bit of a tight end premium in some ways because tight ends do get an extra half point compared to the wide receivers and running backs. So I think I'm going to lock in Ebron at the 13, and then we have to talk about 14th, um, our 14th round, 1401. Yeah, so our I, roster. I like, I like going Ebron there because, I mean, I feel like a you can wait on almost all of those other tight ends. I mean, it is tight end premium, so maybe they'll go earlier than I'm thinking, but. You know, I, I also feel like some of the ones that we want that maybe people would like take like a Dawson Knox or something like that over. So I'm not even too worried about it. Cause I, you know, like, but like some of them like Gerald Everett or somebody like that, like he's, he's being completely undervalued in my opinion. So I think we can get him in a couple rounds or maybe even at the end of the draft. So I'm pretty happy with that Ebron pick, especially for, I mean, I love Hawkinson's upside, but he is a second year tight end. And that's, that's kind of scary as your tight end one. Yeah, and we we went really RB heavy early. So we have, you know, we have five running backs that we, we like. We only have three wide receivers because this format kind of devalues wide receiver a little bit. So we've been straying away from them and not necessarily trying to grab a lot. We have Amari, we have Lockett, and we have Marvin Jones. So like three guys we talk a lot about on this show. Um, we're going to go with another guy we like two that John's talked a lot about and he even brought him up in that pod because the options we have here are Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, D.D. Westbrook, Sammy Watkins, Emmanuel Sanders, Roby Anderson, Corey Davis, right? Like there's not a whole lot of guys we think can really step into roles here, but the one dude that stands out in that group is Golden Tate, right? Golden Tate is a guy that can legitimately finish as a wide receiver too. Um, if things hit right, probably ends up as a wide receiver three. I mean, he almost ended up as a wide receiver three last year, and he missed those games from suspension. So this is a guy that we definitely know has that ability, and we're going to take him and, uh, and lean on him as our fourth wide receiver, who we don't necessarily need to start at all, but will be there as an option and, and be available to us. Yeah, he, might, he might start in one of the flex spots, but, I mean, we don't – we don't have to use them, but I just, I love having that safety with him there and, you know, whether it be injuries or bye weeks or anything else, you know, I, I'd much rather have him than any of those wide receivers, except for Corey Davis. 
but I feel like we can get Corey Davis later. So I think Corey Davis will be there. No one wants Corey Davis at this point. Yeah, I'm, well, besides <laughs> me. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right, let's get back to the the trades. We're going to go to one of our good good friends, Alex Desch- Alex Duchesne's or AKA Average Al, AKA Duchesne's underscore. Um, he's in a 12 team Superflex Titan Premium PPR. He says he's in between rebuilding and contending. That's never a good spot to be <laughs> in my mind trying to figure out which one you are. And so he traded Mark Andrews, John Brown and a 21 second for Mike Evans and Gerald Everett. Um, his roster is Kyler, Chubb, Dobbins, Green, Evans, Everett, Preston Williams, Deshaun Jackson, Matt Ryan. So Everett's his starting tight end. So I think that could be something to discuss. But, John, let's hear what you what you think. First of all, Duchesne's put that he was contending. I decided for him that he was in between contending and rebuilding. <laughs> um but yeah so I mean and part of that is like I just got done saying that I like Gerald Everett but I I I, I'm not sure in a tight end premium especially I'm not sure that I want to trust him as my as my number one tight end um you know there's still a lot up in the air with uh, what's going on with the Rams and the tight end situation will they run 12 personnel will they not like all that um but I'm also the biggest seller of Mark Andrews right now. Like I honestly think that he is the biggest off season sell right now. And so I, I love selling him, especially in a tight end premium where people are going to be all over selling like a top end tight end. Now I know Duchesne's personally, he's part of the happy hour group the, that we, you know, we meet every Friday. And so I know for a fact that he is probably the biggest Mike Evans stand in the history of fantasy football. And so that's why for him, this trade makes a lot of sense. But generally speaking, if this was anyone else, I would say you probably didn't get enough value for Andrews in a tight end premium. Um, I, but once again, knowing Duchesne's, I also know that he's willing to do an overpay just to get his guy. And so that's what he did. And there's nothing wrong with that either. I, I've done the same thing. I, I went and drafted uh, or I went and traded for Amari Cooper earlier in the uh, off season just because I wanted him, and I knew it was an overpay and I didn't care. And, you know, sometimes that's just what you have to do to better your team and get the players that you want. Uh, I just, I think he could have probably gotten the same trade done without the 21 second or at least getting like a 21 third in return or, or something. It just, it seems like the value's not quite there, but I know he's happy with having Evans. Yeah. I, I mean, we both agree on Andrews not being, um, not being a top three tight end, at least like a lot of people are seeing him. I've even seen some people putting him above Kittle at times. And I think that's really crazy, but his perceived value at least from what I've seen is higher than Evans in a tight end premium league. I did a tight end premium startup a few months ago now, like probably three, three months ago at least. And Andrews went four, two and Evans went four, six in that draft. So, right. So Andrews value is perceived as higher than Evans. Now to be fair, Evans slipped too far in that draft. He shouldn't have got there. Um, One more pick. And I think he would have been mine, but it didn't make it. I think that the second wasn't necessary in this at all. Like you said, and in this, you know, in that draft, at least what that shows me is like Andrews and Evans probably should have just gone straight up. Um, so it, to me, it looks like John Brown in a second for Everett. And I, I just don't like that. I think that if anything, Evans value perceived value has even gone down further because of the addition of Gronk. So that hurts Evans perceived value going forward as well. 
So I, I just think, you know, instead of a second, I would have started with a third, even as an overpay, a third or a fourth instead. Because if anything, I think that he should have been getting a pick back instead of sending a pick out of this. But like you said, like some, it goes back to that idea. Like if you really like a guy and you believe in a guy, then you go get them. And you know, that's, you'll, you'll have to overpay at times, but it also hurts that he has his own pod and his, you know, league mates might listen to it and know he's big on Evans. So they know that they could sell him for like a really high premium to him right instead. So that's another thing to, to be aware of in your leagues is, you know, if people know you're high on certain people, that they're going to try to take advantage of that. And maybe that's what happened in this trade. Yeah. I'm looking at you NFG pod trying to take advantage of my Derrick Henry love, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really think if we take the 21 second out of this, then I'm pretty happy with the trade. Yeah, just like Crescent said. So I, and, but also in the grand scheme of things, the 21 second isn't making or breaking your team. So I'm not too concerned about it. All right. So the next one is from FF all-star and he's at FF underscore all-star and it's a 12 team PPR super flex and he is rebuilding. His starters are Mayfield, Bell, Aaron Jones, Keenan Allen, Robert Woods, Michael Gallup, Mark Andrews, Curtis Samuel, Marvin Jones, and Sam Darnold. He sent Keyshawn Vaughn, Darius Slayton, and Raheem Mostert in a 21 third, and he received Le'Veon Bell, A.J. Dillon, Kyle Allen, and Paris Campbell. So if anyone knows like the FF 24-7 crew and and follows FF ball all day and what he's preached about Vaughn and Rojo, like I've been buying into it. I'll be the first to admit that I fully like believe in a lot of his analysis on that particular thing, particularly because of his knowledge with running backs that I, you know, I'm not a Vaughn guy at all. So seeing Vaughn being shipped out to me is always a good thing. Um, I'm sure some other, I know a lot of other people love Vaughn. So it's kind of like a chance to cash in on that. Um, so what I looked at this as was, you know, Slayton and a third for Allen and Campbell is in favor of Slayton. I like Bell more than Mostert. And then I like Dylan more than Vaughn. So in the end, I like this, this trade. And I think that you're going to be able to flip Le'Veon Bell for more picks than you would Mostert. Having a quarterback in a super flex league, even if it's a backup, like Kyle Allen, at the very least, like if someone has Haskins and Haskins gets sick or goes down or something like Kyle Allen has some value there, um, especially because he knows that offense. So he's going to be able to step into that offense. He knows the playbook. He worked under Scott Turner, all those kind of things that provides extra value. And then of course, we've already talked about ad nauseum our love for AJ Dillon and how we think he's going to be the guy in, um, you know, in San Francisco North starting next year once Aaron Jones is probably gone or taking more of a secondary role. Like we really believe in AJ, AJ Dillon. And I just don't think Vaughn's going to ever have that chance and he's never going to be that kind of a guy, but Dillon has a much better chance at that. Yeah. I'm not as sold on the whole, like Vaughn doesn't have any chance, but I'm also not of the belief that like Vaughn's just going to come in and be like a top 10 back either. So I, I'm a little more kind of in the middle where like he, he could, he could have some value, but he could also just I mean none of the running backs there could have value when it's all said and done. Now, that being said, I, I really do like this trade for a rebuilding team. 
mostly because like Crescent said, like I see Dylan or we both see Dylan being pretty valuable in 2021. Um, and, and at least in my opinion, I think Paris Campbell has every chance to be the number one wide receiver on the Colts, even as soon as this season. And we've seen that T.Y. Hilton really can't stay healthy at this point. And we know, you know, with that type of wide receiver, when they start having those, you know, uh, soft tissue injuries and, and things of that nature, that it can start getting kind of scary, and especially at that age. So I, I could see him stepping in and, and obviously he needs to stay healthy too, but with Campbell, it was broken bones. And so I'm not as concerned with that. I, I really think it was more fluky than anything. Maybe he needs to drink a little bit of milk, but you know, who knows? <laughs> uh, honestly, I think Le- we've already talked about Le'Veon Bell and, and how, you know, we feel like with an improved O-line, he's going to be better this year. And we even talked about him earlier you know, in the off season about him possibly sneaking back into the top 12. And obviously there's a lot of question marks with the Jets and it's not a guarantee that he'll be top 12, but I think he'll be right around there, even if he's not a hundred percent in there. And so I, I do like that. And of course he's rebuilding. So I don't know how much Le'Veon Bell really helps his team, but the truth of the matter is like, he should have some, some value. And so I think like after a big week or two, you know, maybe you can try and trade for somebody like a JK Dobbins or, or something like that, where, you know, that if, if he hasn't hit quite yet in the beginning of the season, somebody will say, hey, I, I need Le'Veon Bell. I need somebody like that. And maybe you can add a little bit onto Bell and get a Dobbins. And now you are helping your rebuilding team and, and you know, getting ready for 2021 with, with Dobbins and Dylan. And that'd be pretty nice. So that brings us to our next trade from Chris Robin, who's at Detroit Beastie. It's a 12-team Superflex PPR. He says he's rebuilding. Um, he didn't really provide us his team, so I'll just lay out the trade and what it was. It was Burrow, Edwards, and Jefferson for Love, Lamb, and Judy. So all rookies involved, an all-rookie trade. So I guess rebuilding to me doesn't really matter as much in that. But um, what do you think, John? Yeah, I think, you know, I was looking at this one, and like you said, he didn't provide the sides or anything. So we don't know which one's his, not that it really matters. But, um, you know, I just think – it's got to be the burrow side all day long. I mean, if you're just comparing uh, player to player, you know, Burroughs has to be way over Jordan Love. And then honestly, like Edwards and Judy are pretty close to me. And then Jefferson and, and Lamb are at least somewhat close. Like I, I prefer Lamb, but it's not that much of a difference. So, but the huge difference between Burrow and Love, I mean, I, I don't even want Love on like my team unless – I mean, obviously in Superflex, it's always okay to have like backup quarterbacks and everything. And who knows what's going to happen in Green Bay. But I mean, it could easily be two years before you see anything out of Jordan Love unless Rodgers gets hurt or, or something to that effect. Yeah, like I, I see no reason not to pick the Burrow side in this. We, we, it's well documented. We love Braylon Edwards. We really think that Edwards is going to step in. Like I, I think that it was a steal for the Raiders to get him at that point. We also love Brian Edwards. Sorry, not Braylon. Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Brian Edwards. Um, Sorry, I'm just – my brain is off today. So, I actually like Jefferson more than I like Judy. I think that maybe this year you won't necessarily see it as much because I don't think he'll get a chance to play in the slot like he's used to. And so, he might struggle a little. But I think once Steelen's gone, which will probably be within the next year or two – Jefferson takes over that slot role and kind of excels in it like he was doing at LSU. We've already talked about Lamb a lot. He's in a really crowded 
you know, wide receiver core. He probably isn't the most talented wide receiver even of that group at all, right? And so his upside is always going to be limited to an extent because of that. Judy also, like, you can make the argument he's not the most talented wide receiver in his group either, so his upside is probably going to be limited as well. I don't know if you can say that about Jefferson. Edwards, there's an argument that he's more talented than Ruggs. Now, obviously, it wasn't drafted that way, but that doesn't mean there's not an argument there to be made. One of the reasons Edwards fell is because of the foot injury and because of the lack of combine, right? So this is one of those things that I think it's clear it's Burrow, Edwards, Jefferson over Love, Lamb, and Judy. Like, the gap between Burrow and Love is so big compared to the gap between Lamb, Judy, and Edwards, Jefferson in my mind. Like, it's a much, much bigger gap for the the quarterbacks. And Burrow's going to probably come out from the jump and start, and he has a ton of weapons at his disposal, right? He has an O-line that's going to be rebuilt with some rookies on there, or, well, former rookies that were injured. Um, he has Mixon, who's one of the best – talent one of the most talented running backs in the league he has obviously aj green whether or not he's healthy he's still a talented wide receiver he has higgins who's really talented he has boyd who's put up thousand yards back-to-back years like all these things and i just think you're you have a much higher chance of bro succeeding than love who is going to be in what i think will become a run first offense and he's not going to have a type of volume or anything that you would see from someone like a joe burrow yeah, and and I think I've said this before, but to everyone that's like go on the Amari Cooper is you know uh, has an out in his contract and you know after twenty one, that's still two years from now. Like there's still two full seasons before that happens. So you know even in that scenario where they get out of his contract, you're still waiting two years before you know Lamb truly takes over because you know beyond or barring uh, an injury. Lamb is not taking over for Amari Cooper. Now, you can say that he moves ahead of Michael Gallup, and maybe they do move Michael Gallup at some point, but I just I, – I don't know. I, at this point, I don't see it, and they're trying to win a Super Bowl, and they kind of know that they need every single player that they can get to do it because they had a lot of good players last year, and they barely couldn't even win, what, eight games? That brings us to our next one, which is from Adam Watson, at Mormon underscore Monk. And this one is a 10-team Superflex PPR, 40-man rosters, and he is rebuilding. His starting roster is Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, T.Y. Hilton, Deshaun Jackson, T.J. Hawkinson, Ronald Jones, and Burrow. And he sent Alvin Kamara for CEH. It was actually the 2020-103, which he turned into CEH. And then what he said is expected to be an early 21 first. Although I, I really, I, I don't like playing that game where you just assume like if I'm ever doing anything, I always assume it's going to be at the very earliest, a mid round first. Um, and a lot of times I just go ahead and assume it's going to be a late first. And then I, I make my decision on if I really want to make that trade based off of that, because we've seen some, teams that did not look very good go on and and win or just make it into the playoffs and you know all it takes is one week and next thing you know they're the 109 and you thought they were going to be the 102 so uh but yeah so he got the 103 he turned it into ch a 21 first and ronald jones for alvin kamara so i obviously i like kamara a lot 
but if you're rebuilding like he says then you you take a package like this like this is what you want when you're trying to sell a stud is you want a couple of first round picks plus another young player to go along with it um, particularly like an early first like this at the 103 and be able to get CEH is really useful now he has two really young backs in CEH and Rojo like even though Rojo's in his third year he's still a very very young running back um, plus you have what you know early to mid whatever first round pick next year you're not necessarily trying to win. So Kamara, you know, losing him helps you because he's a guy that would have scored a lot of points. So now you potentially are going to go down in scoring, which will hopefully help you secure a better first round pick yourself. So you look at it as a win that way. Kamara's contract situation, right? He's a free agent after this year. There's uncertainty in New Orleans. This is Drew Brees last year, most likely. Um, who knows how that's going to impact Kamara's value going forward. He's going to reach that RB stage where the fantasy community starts to hate running backs, where he'll be, you know, going into that 26, 27 year gap period. And people just all of a sudden drop running backs down their, you know, down their value list as a result. So that's something that could happen. And maybe you're not able to get this kind of trade for him. Only thing I would have said is maybe in the season, you could have got something like this plus a little more for like a contender who's really hungry. But that, that's my only real critique of it is that I think that maybe in the season you could get something more for Kamara. But, you know, I think this is a perfectly fine move and something that I would have, you know, taken in this situation as well. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been on record saying how I'm all about selling Kamara this year. And just like Crescent said, I mean, he, he's going in the last year of his deal. He's very team specific as far as I, as I'm concerned. You know, like I don't think he's just gonna go over and jump on the bucks and be the same player. You know, like I don't think he's gonna. He could go to a million teams and and they might pay him, but that doesn't mean that he's going to be what he is on the Saints because he just fits that scheme so well. And then you know, Drew Brees might not be there. I mean, there's just so much going on in New Orleans, and you know, add and now you have Emmanuel Sanders. You know, I think he has more target competition than he's ever had. And so I could see him losing value this year regardless of anything else. Even if they gave him a new deal, he could still lose a little bit of value at the very least. And so with what you're getting, the 103 turning into CEH, and then a 21 first for a rebuilding team is always great. And then, you know, like Ronald Jones doesn't really do it for me, but it's also not a bad thing to get players like that thrown into a deal because – it is up in the air and we don't know what's going to happen. And there are plenty of people like FF ball day that do believe in Ronald Jones. And if he, (laughs) if he does what he thinks is going to happen, then then you just got yourself a stud, but I don't necessarily believe that. But like I said, it it doesn't hurt to get somebody like that thrown into the deal because, you know, really in, as far as I'm concerned, you got two first picks or two first round picks for Kamara and then you, you got him thrown in. So I'm perfectly fine with that deal. And honestly, at this point, I'd rather have CEH on that offense than uh, Alvin Kamara and his contract situation on that offense. I would say, like, about Rojo, you know, if he gets another 1,000 yards and ends up as a back-end RB2, that's really valuable. He's 23, I think, at this point. So he's still really young. His value and maybe the perception of him will go up. Right now, his perception is pretty down because of the Vaughn pick, but – if Vaughn's, you know, not as good as people anticipate, right? He's also old. Vaughn is actually really old. So I think he's actually, is he older? I think he's older than Rojo. 
Yeah, he's uh, a little bit. It, it, like maybe like a half year or something like that. So yeah, so it's just one of those things that Rojo can easily just still be like the main guy on this team, get a thousand yards and I don't know four or five touchdowns, and he ends up being more valuable than people think. And now his value's increased, and you can flip him if you really wanted to after the year type of thing. So I think it's definitely a good like buy low on him while getting those two high first round picks. So we're going to go to our last trade. Uh, and if we didn't get to your trade, like maybe we missed it, you can also just DM us the trade and we'll go through and we'll actually reply to you and we'll send you our thoughts on it. So we apologize if we end up missing anything. But we're looking at Ethan Looper, who is at Ethan Looper. It's a 12-team PPR, one QB league. He says he's contending. This is his roster. He has – or his starting roster anyways. He has Stafford, Barkley, Jacobs, JT, DJ Moore, Sutton, Dobbins, Hurst. So he traded Devonta Adams, a 21 first, Tariq Cohen, OJ Howard for Saquon Barkley and a 21 second. What do you think, John? Yeah, so this one's interesting because I think the value is like just like basically spot on. Like if you're going to get Barkley, this is probably what you have to pay. And it's probably just more like a matter of preference at this point. Like, do you want the stud wide receiver who's what 27 going on 28, or do you want the running back, the stud running back? And, and, you know, I, it's really tough to say, like, I, I don't know which side I like more, but when I'm looking at his team and I know on his bench, he also had Swift and I think he had another at least decent running back as well. So, I mean, you're talking about Barkley, Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, uh, J.K. Dobbins, and DeAndre Swift as your running backs. Like, I'm pretty happy with that core. And then he still has good wide receivers. Now, maybe his wide receiver depth isn't as good as it, as it could have been. And that's why I'm saying, like, I could really see both sides of this trade. Um, but I know people love them some Saquon. And so – and I love his upside as well. Uh, so I, you know, I, I think I would go ahead and lean that way just to have that those running backs because you always know, no matter what, you can sell Saquon, you can sell whoever, and you can get quite a bit in return. So even if you needed some uh, wide receiver depth, in, you know, in the future, uh, it's not going to be an issue to get it. You can trade Swift or one of those other running backs as well. Yeah, I, I think of it like this: like, would I feel comfortable having Jacobs, JT, Dobbins, Swift going into the year as my starting running backs? Probably not because we know JT is going into a crowded backfield. Who knows what his touch outlook is going to look like. We know Dobbins is not going to start as like the guy out there. Swift is contending with carry on Johnson. So all of them have those muddy backfields where maybe it takes them a month, a month and a half, right. To really kind of start to separate. But in that month and a half, you lost four of your six games. And now you're like fighting uphill to try to just contend for a playoff spot. Moving. Adams for Barkley gives you that secure like stud running back who I think is actually going to have a huge year because he's going to be basically running the same type of role and offense that Zeke was right Jason Garrett's we know Jason Garrett loves using his running back we saw him do it with Zeke and just pound him like over and over and over and over and over right first down second down first down second down like consistently three like what Zeke's one of the guys that leads the league and carries like consistently. So we'll probably see that from Saquon. Uh, and as a result, you know, you have that anchor for your running backs while still having 
wide receivers like DJ Moore and Sutton as your, you know, your two people there to hold that spot down. So I think that's perfectly fine. I think moving, moving from the first next year to the second, is not a big deal. Losing Tariq Cohen and OJ Howard is like nothing to me. Cohen, I think can have a decent year. OJ Howard is just a complete wash. Like that was a throw in that the guy must've really liked for some reason, but that I think, you know, at this point, it's really just Adams and a first for Barkley and a second. And I think I would take Barkley because I think at the end of the year, Adams' value is going to take a bigger hit than Barkley's will. Yeah, and sometimes, I mean, I think I'm a little higher on O.J. Howard than you are just because of his age and, and like, his pedigree and everything. But, you know, I, I do agree. Like, at this point, he's more of a throw-in than, like, somebody that you're actually counting in this trade, especially with those players. And so – you know, sometimes it's nice to send these kind of guys and like include it in the trade to get a trade done. And then you open up new uh, roster spots for yourself as well. And so when you're contending, sometimes it's tough to like make a decision. Do I want to, do I want to pick this guy off of waivers and, and things like that? And so this kind of opens up a couple spots for you. And now maybe there's a guy on waivers that you were looking at and you were like, I, I don't want to drop OJ Howard for him. Well, now you traded away him away and, and now you can just go pick them up for free. Yeah, this opened up two spots, right? Like yeah. I, did, I did a very similar trade where I traded for um, Christian McCaffrey. And I had a really, really deep team, um, and I traded a lot of that. Or I traded a lot of that wide receiver depth plus, um, plus JT to get Christian McCaffrey. And then I was able to grab some guys that I like just as flyers to have at the bottom of my roster. And if they hit – then it's awesome. And I, you know, I have guys that can be productive. If they don't, then I can perfectly just cut them for more, right? Turning that bottom of that roster. And sometimes we, as contenders, we get too scared to cut someone like OJ Howard. Like, oh, what happens if Gronk gets hurt? Like now Howard's role, like what's that going to be? Or things like that. When really for a lot of the season is probably not going to hold as much value. So that's a great point. Yeah. So I, I think for the, you know, for the most part, I'm pretty happy with that trade. Uh, like I said, we, we were really happy with the response that we got because we just sent it out this morning saying that we wanted some trades and we got quite the response. And uh, a lot of people sent in multiple trades and we decided to just go ahead and stick with one per person. So uh, maybe we'll save the, the, the tweet and we'll uh, save some of those trades for, for the next one. If we uh, get a good amount of listens to this one, then maybe we can go ahead and do another one in like a month or so. And uh, or even, you know, I guess a month or so is, is getting pretty close to the season. If we actually have a season, I was going to say when we get closer to the season, but we're, we're basically there, I think fingers crossed, who knows? So yeah, once again, we, we really do appreciate you guys sending all that stuff in. Uh, obviously we'll be back on Thursday or I'll be back on Thursday with the take it or leave it. And uh, until then we're cashing out. <laughs>